Hello, ladies, and welcome back to the Emerge Woman Magazine podcast, episode number 23. I'm your host, Kiana Cressman, and this episode is an exclusive and inspiring interview with Dr. Monica Cox. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, Dr. Cox is a presidential award-winning advocate, expert, and educator in STEM. She also um, is very down-to-earth. So what I really enjoyed is how much she is a mentor and an educator at heart. She firmly believes in continuing a legacy of not only investing in others in her industry, but also in life, too. And just some key gems that she left us with, number one, As women, many times we put limits on ourselves. Even if we aren't where we want to be, it doesn't mean that you can't get to that place. So as long as you have problem-solving ability in you, you have the ability to learn and to get to the level that you desire to to reach your full potential. She also encourages us, um, whether we have, you know, stressful and demanding industries, professions and jobs and those things, to choose joy and happiness. Be intentional. Intentionality is key. It's easy to be moved by situations, especially when you have a lot of demands on your plate, and it's easy to be moved by what you don't see. So it's important to be intentional about having joy and happiness in your life, even amidst the negative situations that may arise. If you choose joy, it will definitely place you in a place of peace and stability as a leader. I think that is so key. Um, And one of the reasons that she has uh, continued to Um, rise to a successful place. It's not that we don't make mistakes on this journey, but it's how we recover, learn, and continue to grow from there and then impart into others. She also uh, was very generous in sharing just how important it is to embed legacy and purpose in all that she does to make sure that everything that she does is making a difference. So I think that's also a key part to learn. And as we serve, as we uh, run our businesses and everything that we do, what kind of legacy are we leaving for the next generation, for our children, for those who we influence? I think that's so important uh, to be a guiding, a guiding principle in all that we do and impacting the lives of others. So we just want to thank you again for tuning in to Emerge Woman Magazine's episode number 23. We look forward to hearing your feedback, and have a great day. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Emerge Woman Magazine podcast, where we keep it real, relevant, and relatable for today's woman. I'm your host, Kiana Cressman founder of Emerge Woman Magazine, and we'd like to welcome our very special guest today, Dr. Monica Cox. She was also recently featured in our special best-selling edition of Emerge Woman Magazine, the spring edition, spring 2019. So welcome, Dr. Monica. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to be here. Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you for joining us. So I'm just going to share a little bit about um, Dr. Cox, and today we're going to talk about women in STEM, specifically Monica's journey and how to progress in this industry, as well as the life balance and things that come with, um, you know, the the growth, the growing pains, all of those different things that happen um, on the way to this journey, and it will be sure to inspire you wherever you are on your path. But particularly, we just want to highlight um, some of the areas in STEM and STEM 
Uh, we were really excited to have this article, um, this special feature in our um, most recent issue of Emerge. So about Monica Cox, she is a professor and the inaugural chair of the Department of Engineering Education at the Ohio State University. She is also the director of International Institute, the International Institute of Engineering Education Assessment, and the CEO of Stimulant LLC, a company that houses educational assessment, prepared to be a pioneer, professional development, and quirky time media offerings. In 2011, she became the first African-American female to earn tenure in the College of Engineering at Purdue University. Her research focuses on the use of mixed methodologies to explore significant research questions in undergraduate, graduate, and professional engineering education, to explore issues of intersectionality among women, particularly women of color in engineering, and to develop, disseminate, and commercialize reliable and valid assessment tools for use in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, which is STEM education. Dr. Cox has led and collaborated on multidisciplinary projects totaling approximately $15 million, and she has authored over 130 publications. Wow. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us again. Um, we're so excited to delve into this um, talk today. And can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you actually found your career in STEM? Yes. Um, so I am a um, just a normal person. I mean, when I heard the accolades, um, I was just kind of wondering, like, wow, did I do all that? So I forget. <laughs> but, but yes. Um, so I'm from rural Alabama, um, just a place where agriculture was was king, so to speak. Um, it was the land of cotton, literally, and peanuts. Wow. And I did not know much about engineering growing up. Uh, I I um, am very inquisitive. I've always been very inquisitive, and I fortunately had uh, parents who exposed me to STEM, and we'll talk about that maybe a little bit more. But um, yeah, um, I am just a normal person. It's weird. Um, I enjoy engaging in. Um, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, and I've just had a lot of people along the way who've helped to to shape my journey. Wow, so that's awesome that you had a lot of people shape your journey. And so who are some of your greatest role models or inspirations on your journey to becoming an educator? And what I love about you is just how relatable you are and down to earth with everything that you have achieved. And I love women hearing their reaction when they hear their bios because it's typically not something you look at every day. And so when you hear it, you're like, wait a minute. But um, so who are some of your greatest role models? Yeah, so some of my role models, and I've kind of mentioned this a little bit, um, were, of course, my people in Alabama, um, my, my mm -hmm. parents, um, and the people who encouraged me in my local community. Uh, these were yeah. people who did not really know anything about STEM, but they were hardworking people and people who had great values and loved the development of children and wanted better for us. Um, since my parents grew up during um, – 
the they were born during the Great Depression, and they lived and worked as educators in the South during um, segregation. Um, there was just this upbringing that I had that I think was very different, and they always encouraged me to be my best. And I feel that the people in the community wanted so much, especially for. Uh, the children of color, the brown and the the black children in the community. Right. So, so those lessons are just embedded in me um, just as a person. And from a professional perspective, one of my role models was uh, Dr. Etta Faulkner, the late Dr. Etta Faulkner, who was one of the first African-American women to earn a Ph.D. in the U.S. in mathematics. Yeah. And she was so instrumental because she saw – the young woman who I was coming from this rural community who maybe had not been exposed to mathematics and the STEM, but she saw that I had great potential. And because of that, she pushed me to engage in fellowships and other activities that I would not have done naturally, but that's where mentors come in. And that's where I think people who have gone before you have that obligation to to engage with uh, budding scholars, with, with people who have potential, and then help them to step into their destinies and into the environments that, that they need to enter. So those are just a few of the mentors. Many, many, many uh, mentors yeah. are out there for me, but those are just a few. Awesome. That's wonderful. Wow. Great. I love hearing about that, you know, because it's so important in moving forward in our journey, who is speaking into our life and, um, you know, uh, definitely helps us as we elevate and then we begin to plant that same seed in the lives of others. So please introduce us to Monica, the mother, the wife, the family woman. So we obviously know you're a successful scientist, mathematician, and all of that. But um, can you just, you know, tell us um, some things about or that are important to you to stay balanced and enjoy life, some of your other passions? Yes. Um, so I have recently become a mom. So as of uh, November 2018. Congratulations. Part, thank you. Thank <laughs> you so much. And that part is really, really interesting for me because I did not become a mom until uh, my early 40s. And there were just some health issues that I had. And I don't mind telling people about that too, but yeah. there are just, some things that I never expected, and, and um, I, I did have to go to many specialists to uh, try to explore what was going on with me, and um, that coupled with being a professional and moving forward um, just, just really proved to be somewhat challenging, but um, I do rely a lot on my, my faith, and I think I grew as a result of that. So when I look at the title of mother, um, as I said, that's new, but I think that some other experiences help to shape that. Um, I also am an only child, and my father passed away in 2017, and I became the primary oh, uh, caregiver for my mom, who had a stroke in 2010. So mm. um, when I look at my life, it's, it's really um, – it's compartmentalized, and I don't often talk about all of the things that I have to do, but because I also have a strong support in my husband, um, and we've been together as a couple so long prior to so many of these things happening, I think that's something that's helped me to uh, stay balanced, so to speak, and I also understand 
that, um, you know, it takes a village, a village of support. And life does not always happen the way that you want it to happen. But I take everything day by day. I do not take the resources that come to me um, as this, this person who has to balance so much for granted. And, um, yeah, so, so it's very complex. That was the question that you started off asking me, but I would just say it's complicated. <laughs> no, but. that's good, good, wow. So what are some of the other passions that you have? Because I know, um, and sorry to hear about your father, um, but obviously you know you're, you're flourishing and moving forward and all of those mm-hmm. things. So what do you do for enjoyment, you know, um, any hobbies or things that you like that, you know, help you just to, you know, have fun and all of that with your family and everything? Yes. Yes, my my hobbies kind of come in waves. Um, I enjoy <laughs> laughing a lot, so I have done stand-up comedy before. Um, really? I, yes. Oh my goodness, yes, yes. I just tried it. That was a, that was another story for another day. Um, but yes, and it was it was really interesting. It was cool. Um, I also have made jewelry. Um, so I remembered during Whitney Houston's funeral, like when I was watching it on TV, I think I made about six necklaces. And wow. I don't know why that just kind of stands out, but it was just something. You know, I remember that being a phase and me teaching myself how to do that. Um, I also, of course, enjoy social media. And some people would ask, well, is that a hobby? Well, I think it is because I meet so many people there. And, of course, I met you there. Um, yes. And I learned so much. You know, it's it's just that it's when you think about the world, there are hundreds of millions of people out there. And the likelihood that we are going to be able to physically travel and engage with so many people outside of our daily circles is, is really low. And I think social media – helps us to to learn in new ways. And um, I think that's why I've become really interested in just exploring and learning and figuring out how to disseminate information to others uh, via social media. So that's something. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. (laughs) That's great. So you love to laugh and the jewelry piece, that's amazing. I love that. I love it. So you've led and collaborated on several projects totaling um, $15 million, authored 130 publications, and won a presidential award. Wow. Uh, You're, you're, you know, a a professor, inaugural chair. So, like, what does a day in the life of Dr. Monica Cox look like? Oh, yeah. It's it's different. Every day is very, (laughs) very, very different. But I would say, like, even before I start talking about the details of that life, I say that I want to focus on purpose. And mm. I, I remembered um, uh, uh, an educator, Dr. Howard G. Adams, who talked about a book that he had written. And I think uh, it, it was I think it was called something like "Wake Up with Something on Your Mind." And every day, I want to engage in, in my purpose. So when I get up, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm even thinking and, and, and praying and, like, meditating on what it is, what are the words that I need to say that day because I do want to share some things via social media. I use that, as I said, that's one of my hobbies. And I try to think about, like, what's in my spirit, you know, what is that thing that I can share with others, lessons learned from my life. Um, I also am thinking of, 
just how to organize my day. What are the meetings yeah. that I have for that day? Um, you know, what do I not need in my day? Like that's really important too because some things are waste of time. Some things are better yes. handled via email. So that's something. And then I also have projects that are endless. Um, so if mm. I think about the books that I'm working on, an academic book with a deadline, that's something. But as a department chair, I also have policies that I need to review, um, and the ways that I need to engage with people. And, and there's just something about being able to identify you know, what is, what is the needful thing for me to do and what needs to be held off, what needs to be delegated to people, um, you know, what I shouldn't be concerned with at all. And so my day is really centered on purpose and execution of that purpose and identifying how I maximize that day from a professional perspective, from a personal perspective, and, um, you know, just looking at the bigger goals in life. So that was a Absolutely. lot, and I could probably break that down, you know, a little bit more another <laughs> way. But it was it's good, complex, though. Mm-hmm. But it's about mm-hmm. organizing mm-hmm. and know, know what my good. personal organization strategy is. Awesome. I, and I think that's whatever, wherever somebody's path is, you, you hit the nail on the head. Wherever we are, whatever our industry, whatever, you know, is on our plates, even if you're a stay-at-home mom, you have to prioritize because one yes. thing can always overlap the other. So, no, you shared it perfectly. I think that's great. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so and much for thing, that. And, excuse me. And one thing that I think is also important is for people to realize that although you may plan as much as possible. There are so many um, situations that happen that you don't expect. And that comes, like, even when I was talking about being, like, this caregiver for my mom, you know, maybe there's something at the house where she lives in Alabama that happens, like the air conditioner went out. Or we have a storm, like when the hurricane came, I had to really try and make sure that my mom was taken care of from a generator perspective and, you know, there were other things that were happening. So one thing that I would, I would tell your listeners too is that there is a need to be flexible so that mm. when it comes back to balance, when it comes back to being a healthy person, you're not broken when these unexpected things happen because they're going to happen. It's like you expect the unexpected but just know that, there is an answer to the issues that you address. You know, always breathe and kind of think, um, you know, what is it that I can do right now? What's within my control? What do I need to rely upon other people to help me do? And how do I now move forward? So those are just the strategies. And so once again, strategies for everything that happens, you know, that's important. And just knowing that those unexpected things don't have to break you. You make that, you make your mind up before that. And that's how you're able to make it through with all those mm. um, imbalances. True gems. That's so good. You know, and, and it's the practical that moves us forward. <laughs> it's the mm-hmm. practical that helps us to remain consistent. And that's so practical. That's so good. Thank you so much. Wow. So congrats, congratulations on your book. And I know you have a couple books. So you have um, one, Excellence, Why Being Average is Never an Option. And then you mentioned an academic book. So let's start with the book on excellence. Um, what does that title mean to you personally? What inspired that book? So this goes back to my dad. And um, when my dad wow. passed away and I was speaking at his funeral, I talked about how he was, and I'm going to get spiritual here, so I hope that's not offensive on your Please, program. absolutely. This is lifestyle <laughs> um, and faith. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, but, yes, you know, I kind of saw it as him being like the prophet Elijah. Like there were so many people who were at that funeral and so many people who 
admired him, and I felt that I had picked up the mantle from my father um, once once he passed away, and I just started to remember all the things that he had told me, and I wanted to write them down. So I just wrote down topics that he had he had presented to me and one of the last things for example that he told me before he passed away and I still have this recording is for me to do my best because my best is hard to beat and I said you know Mm -hmm. I don't want to forget that and and I wrote it down and so from that I just um, looked at create space at the time now I think it's Kindle Direct and I said I want to share this with other people so from a hobby perspective I said um, you know write it down write a book get a book um, put some pages together. I looked at Fiverr for cover art, and I found a way to just package this book, price it, put it on Amazon, and put it out there for other people to read. And since then, um, I know that people from churches have used it for training. I have heard that um, most recently a, a medical research group from Ohio State has used it for training. Wow. Um, I've heard A-12 students. Um, there's just a lot of people. So this was just a passion project. It was just an honoring my dad project, and now it has become this thing where people are saying that they're sharing it with other people because they're nuggets, they're words of wisdom, and they're things that people need to know to just do better in life. And so that's it. My dad was about excellence. He instilled excellence in me, and this was just a multi-week project to honor my father that has just turned into – a book that's now sold on Amazon. So that's the one thing. That's the story behind that one. (laughs) That's amazing. And did you take time to celebrate that? Because I know, especially Mm. with a busy woman like yourself, that sometimes we can rush through some of those moments and not let it kind of sink in. What a way to honor your father. Um, And so congratulations on that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yes, so that's that book. And it was more of a healing process. So that's the thing to do. Um, if I could just put, like, a, a nugget in there, and, and like, yes. one of my postdocs was talking to me about it, you know, how do I handle really bad situations? Well, when things happen, I know the way that I heal is to reflect on how I can help somebody else. I, I say if I'm going through that, then I'm sure someone else is going through that as well, and I want to create something that can be used by someone else. And that's where the book came from because I was hurting. It was really, really difficult. And I hoped that, one, this would honor my father, but, two, it might be able to teach people in a way that my father no longer could. And so that is the thing that I celebrated too. So when you're talking about that, yes. Like that gives me great comfort. And Beautiful. You asked me about the other book. And so it's so funny, like, oh, yes, the other one. <laughs> yes, but but this one is based on the presidential award. So a while ago, you okay. mentioned I, I received a, tele, a presidential award. And so I received a grant from the government, um, from the National Science Foundation, to um, engage in interviews with 40 engineering PhD holders who work in academia and industry to try and understand how we can better prepare our graduate students um, to be to be successful once they graduate with their doctorates. Um, so right. that uh, was, like I said, awarded a Presidential Early Career Award, and I received a book contract from an academic po- um, publisher, Elsevier, to write a book called Demystifying the Engineering PhD. And that book, which we're hoping will be out fall, um, later this fall, looks at 
the motivation for earning a PhD uh, in, in engineering, the added value. We're looking at characteristics and expectations expected of PhD holders. I'm also looking at um, this concept called stewardship. So how do you somehow represent the best um, features of the discipline? And then what recommendations do I have for doctoral um, education? So wow. if I can even just compare those books, one is like very, very broad to the public. Yes, anyone can use that. But when you're looking at the engineering PhD, that is my research. You know, that is that specialized thing. And I don't know if anyone would just, like any average person would just read that book. But to me, it's a passion project, and it's something that I need to do to also disseminate information to people who maybe one day want to, to obtain a Ph.D. in engineering. Amazing. Oh, wow, that's so great. Congratulations on that as well. So, you know, so why is it important for um, people to put their ideas out there, their constructive ideas, you know, um, particularly as it relates to STEM, or we want to also encourage women, you know, who may be in other industries that are maybe kind of shying away from putting out their ideas. But look at all that was led to in just both of your books from stepping out there um, to share your thoughts. Why is it important that we be confident in putting our ideas out there, Monica? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's all about legacy. So this is also a personal mm. thing. But, you know, I, I really think in the, in the bigger picture, if you look at who we are and the time that we're given on this earth, you know, it's finite. And you – there. It's, some people may say that it's very um, – prideful or arrogant to want to leave a mark, but I say that it comes back to also that idea of stewardship. You know, mm -hmm. you have been given or whomever has been given how many number of, of, of years that they have, and I think every day it's important for us to live our best lives. And when you think of legacy, you know, 100 years from now, the majority of the people who are here won't be here anymore. And you want to know what was it that that person did while they were here? What was their footprint? What was their impact in the world? And I think that's why it's important to put things out there. Like so often we, you know, censor ourselves and we say, well, no one wants to hear this. No one wants to know what I did. But I kind of almost see it as our obligation to try and figure mm. out how to communicate with others because we want people to learn the lessons that we have learned in this lifetime so that they have better lives in the next generation. So wow. it's, it's a responsibility. When you really think about That's education, awesome. when you think about teaching, it's not a classroom. You know, it's the words that we say, the things that we write down, the lessons that we teach other people every day. And when we do things like when you create your magazine, that's legacy. Those are stories wow. that people will be able to read years, hundreds of years from now and say, wow, mm. if this person did this, then what can I do? And it's encouraging. Wow. Like it's our obligation awesome. to encourage, to teach. There's so many things. And if we truly understood our purpose in life, then we would not be afraid to launch. And one other thing that I even read this past week, if I can add this, um, Please. the late Miles Monroe, um, who was, um, you know, a minister, talked about potential. And he said mm. that, the, that cemeteries are so full of potential that wow. was never realized. They're the richest places on earth because mm. books are in those cemeteries. And things that were supposed to be done are in the cemeteries. They were never done. And I think we have to make sure that our 
um, gifts, our talents, every bit of impact that we are supposed to make on this earth does not die in a cemetery. It doesn't be wow. not put in the ground. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's it. Excellent. When you think about it, you do yes. Yes. Excellent. And I love Dr. Miles, the late Dr. Miles Monroe, such mm-hmm. wisdom. Um, yes, thank you for sharing that. So key. So key to be, being confident um, and moving forward and, and putting our ideas out there that will lead to other things and, and ignite purpose and, and destiny in the lives of others. So that's so, mm-hmm. so important. And so can you tell us about some of the struggles that you face personally as a woman um, advancing your career in STEM, both as a woman and a woman of color, because there's a difference, there's a delineation yeah. there. So there's being a woman where we can all relate as woman, women, and then there's being a woman of color. So how did you overcome? Oh, goodness. Um, so some of the struggles, first of all, um, came from just people not knowing what um, – what what my potential could be, um, you know, never having mm-hmm. exposure to a woman of color, like in an engineering classroom, for example, or in a particular mm-hmm. leadership position. So I think that, unfortunately, when you talk about biases and, uh, you know, preconceptions and stereotypes, those are the struggles that I see. Like, um, wow. even something like my voice, you know, people are always like, oh, you have such a sweet voice. You sound so young, but I'm an adult. I'm a grown person. I can't, I can't talk how I talk. And so, you know, it's that first image of, you know, is she a business person? Can she be strict? Can she, you know, really lead? Yes, I can. And, you know, I think there's always that shock when, you know, the perception wow. of who I am and my youth, because I also look kind of young, you know, all that comes together. And I think that sometimes I'm underestimated. And so I have to kind of bring mm-hmm. that to people and say, oh, you know, I'm the boss. This is something, you know, here are the details, here, here are the data, this is how we're going to move forward. And if you're not ready, if you're not humble, if you're not teachable, if you cannot be corrected, then there's going to be an issue. So I face that struggle and that, and that resistance sometimes that comes with that. Wow. And as a woman of color, it's really similar because I think there are also, um, you know, stereotypes. But I think it's, it's, once again, that lack of exposure. When you start thinking about um, – you know, women of color in leadership, that's just not something you see a lot in, in my field. And people, mm-hmm. you know, will, will look at images. And, you know, there's nothing wrong from what – I mean, I guess there's nothing wrong with watching The Real Housewives of Atlanta or watching, you know, reality TV or, you know, looking at images of, I'll say, black women for me, African-American women. But, you know, I am not like the images that maybe are most visible in media or, you know, for people who who don't have friends who who look like me and so i feel that there's this conversation there's this education that has to occur whether it's explicit or implicit just to let people know that um you know this this is this is who i am and let's try and figure out um how we can work together to not let those those external appearances and interfere with us getting our work done. So I feel that's it, the education part that I did not expect, but I have to always do. But how do I overcome it? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Man, you know what? This is a journey. It it has been Mm -hmm. such a journey. And I think it starts young, at least for me, this began when my parents – 
constantly reinforced that I could do anything. And Mm. because it started so young, by the time I was older and other people had issues, I realized those were their issues and not my issues. And I had a task to accomplish, and I was going to accomplish that task. You know, along the way, I might educate them. I might say something. I might confront someone if there was something that was going to hinder me from doing what my assignment was. But overall, I I was able to, or I am able to mostly separate someone else's issues as it relates back to stereotypes and issues as a woman, a woman of color, from who I am. And that is the advice that I give many of my mentees and other people I talk to who enter the academy or are entering the workplace as a leader or as as a woman of color. And I say, you have to know who you are beforehand. Um, because mm, the, the organization mm-hmm. will try to define you. But wow. it will be able to define you if you're not sure of what you are supposed to do or who you are. So constant development as that person is important, independent of where you are, because people will, will always try to put you in a box that you should not be able to, to fit in. Absolutely. That's a tweetable right there. Mm-hmm. You need to define yourself beforehand or others will define you. That That's key. That's so good. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And so, um, I, you, if I could follow up, just that's also sure. something that was in my book. And I mean, I think I said it in a different way, but I said control your brand or someone else will control it for you. Wow. So you are your brand. So good. You are your personal brand. And what is it that you want? to be said about you, and, and you are the one who has to put it out there to say, I am a person of integrity. I am a person of excellence. I am a person who um, is accountable. You know, I am a person who is competent. Those are affirmations that you need to say, a, a mm-hmm. person needs to say to him or herself, because if someone says otherwise, like, you are not a person of excellence, you are not competent, you are not a leader, you're saying, oh, no. No, that does not align with this brand that I have created and that I, what I am saying. And so you, then that's when you can have other conversations. But you have to know, what are, you, what are your um, identifiers? Who are you? Awesome. Who yeah. are you? Excellent, excellent. Because, you know, we rise to the expectations that we set. So that's why what you yes. said is so key because when you set higher expectations and words that are affirming, you rise to that. If they're yes. words that are not affirming, you sink to, you know, you, you, you submerge yourself instead of emerging and rising to your potential. So that is so good, rising to your highest potential. So yes. with that, you share so much um, great stuff. Mm-hmm. What are three things that you would tell the 21-year young Monica <laughs> entering in with full of promise, moving forward? What are, what are just three um, words of wisdom that you would give her in pursuing her dreams and some of the amazing opportunities that are ahead um, that, that are going to take confidence, you know, um, to move mm-hmm. forward in? What would you say to the 21-year young Monica? Right. Goodness. It depends on the day, first of all, um, and so what has happened that day. But, um, definitely, I mean, I, man, I would, I would, I would channel Maya Angelou. Um, you know, she has been amazing. Um, I, I never met her, but I love her words. And so one of the things that she often talks about is, is um, you know, just uh, you teach people how to treat you, you know, and, mm. and, and that, is, that is true. That is so true, mm, and, I, so and I think true. that often, you know, we allow, we think because we're in an organization or a situation that 
people, even with titles, can just say anything to us. But it goes back to that foundation of just knowing who you are and saying, you know, if you would not allow this in your personal life, why would you allow this in your professional life? So always remember that. That would be issue number one. Um, Issue number two comes back, or, or tip number two, is that you are enough. You know, I think that's another thing, too. Um, Excellent. But there's a common theme here. But, you know, so often just because we don't know something or we haven't become an expert in an area, we we put limits on ourselves. And even if you don't, even if you aren't where you want to be, that doesn't mean that you can't get to that place. And yes. we need to know that the core is strong, and I would tell someone, just know if you have the ability to learn, if you have the ability to problem solve, that anything that comes your way can be overcome. You don't have to have the answer on day one, but you know within yourself that you can get the answer, and, and that's, that's, you know, number two there. And I think number three is about choosing, like, joy, choosing happiness. Um, this is something I still work on, and I think it's very easy to be moved by situations, to be moved by what you see, but even in the midst of negativity that comes your way, you have to choose joy. You choose to be happy. You choose positivity um, because that's what's going to keep you in a place of peace and it's what's going to help you to be a stable leader and to be that person who other people can rely on in the face mm. of adversity. So yes. choose and joy <laughs> and happiness. Yes. Yeah. And it takes Wow. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Awesome. Wow. So how do you stay confident and passionate about your work through the highs and lows and the difficulties that may come? So I know, you know, there's that element of staying confident, but passion, you know, is so critical to fueling the consistency. You know, when the highs come, when the lows come, when the transitions come and all of that, even when you're sensing that it's time for a change or move in another direction, how do you um, stay confident and passionate about your work through those seasons? Yeah. Um, So, once again, I'm a big picture person. I'm very futuristic in my thinking, mm-hmm. and I think about the hundreds of thousands—I mean, hundreds of millions of people in the world. And when I I look at you know legacy and I and I look at purpose, and I think that there's always someone else who can be impacted by the gifts and the talents that I have, and that keeps me mm-hmm. going. Now awesome. that may happen. In my profession, um, so in the classroom, it may happen with my faculty or at an institution, but I understand that my impact is not just in the the Dr. Monica Cox professor box. I know that my impact is in speaking to the person who's at the grocery store who needs encouragement. My impact is in that tweet or in that email that I have to send someone um, in my rural Alabama community. It's in a photo that I share. It's in so much. And when you see, and this is also a mentality that I have, and I'm trying to once again practice this, is that I don't want to be so bound by a job that I – lose per lose focus of my purpose 
and my bigger destiny. So I want to get to a place in my life where I'm willing to walk away from anything that compromises my values or my beliefs. And I think when you have that mentality, then it's easier for you to say today, no matter what happens, I'm going to live this best life and I'm going to be guided by those values that are important and I'm going to say no if I have to or I'm going to say yes if I have to. So I think, man, this, is, this, will, this will preach in a very different way, but it comes back to the <laughs> yes. mentality about careers and jobs and worth, and I think we need to really do a better job of letting people understand that they're going to be okay. If you have the foundational skills, if you are a resilient person, you can shift in and out, and that's what keeps you going. That's what keeps you happy. That's what keeps you on purpose. That's what helps you to continue to minister in whatever way you need to minister. Mm, so so that's it for me. You understand the bigger Wonderful. picture. It's always about the bigger picture, never about what's in front of you at that moment, um, you know, in that career, in that job. Yeah. Wonderful. That futuristic wow. And it gives hope to so many others as well. That's powerful. That is so powerful. Thank you for sharing. And so how can our listeners purchase your book, contact or connect with you? And please let us know if you have any upcoming events or upcoming happenings that we should know about. Okay. Yes. Um, so my book is on Amazon um, right now. And you can, look, you can search for me under Monica F. Cox. Um, and, mm-hmm. of course, you heard the, the title of the book, Excellence from Being Average is Never an Option. Um, but I tweet about it all the time, too. So you can follow me on social media <laughs> at, Monica, at Dr. Monica Cox, and um, you'll see the link that's right there. Um, so people can also contact me via Gmail. So this is another thing. Lesson to my, you know, professionals. Um, I do have a professional account, um, you know, like I work through the Ohio, at The Ohio State University. So, of course, you can always Google me. But that's my work email. Uh, for personal things, please contact me at Monica F. Cox, M-O-N-I-C-A-F is in Frank, Cox, C-O-X, at gmail.com. And so once mm-hmm. again, um, you know, for people who are really quick lesson for people, if you are an entrepreneur, um, if you are doing other things, like this book is my personal project, know that um, that is done through a very separate avenue. And so, you know, keep your stuff professional. Know the rules at your organization about that. And then um, upcoming events. You know what? I want to do more upcoming events. I have not done a lot. My upcoming events are primarily academic, and I'm kind of in that in-between stage of my academic life and all the things that I have to do there and kind of my personal life. But my husband and I are going to do some more things that that extend the excellence book. Um, So I am available for for consulting. So if there's anyone who would like to have training about excellence, learn more about, um, you know, how to be more excellent, whether it's with your kids, as a parent, as a professional, that is the side of my business that I am working on, and I can be contacted at that Gmail address. Oh, wonderful. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for all of the gems that you shared and the insights. Is it anything that you would like to share on a closing note as we um, wrap up this amazing episode? Just so much inspiration. Thank you, Monica. Anything you would like to share? 
Absolutely. Um, I always have a final word. So, uh, (laughs) yes, I love um, the idea of community building. And I think that is something that I want to leave with a lot of people, um, just because when you are a a woman or a woman of color in STEM, many times you feel that you're isolated. You're the one, you're the first, Mm -hmm. you're the only. But it's important for us to engage outside of our physical space. And that's another reason I'm talking about social media, um, because I think that there's power in having people you can talk to, people you can ask questions to in a very safe space, and people who can mentor you who maybe are not in your current environment. And so I continue to encourage all of your, um, your listeners and your community to reach out to each other. You know, for example, looking at the, the women who, who you have featured and, you know, it's my obligation to really go and, and, and listen to them and, and connect with them because you're putting it out there for us. So how are we yes. going to somehow build our networks so that mm, they are not, awesome. um, you know, so, so small. And so that's on us and you're, you're creating it for us, but I'm, I'm trying to, in my next research projects or in my next activities, think of ways to bring women together. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. That is so powerful. Thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your transparency and um, just, you know, thank you for sharing your gifts with the world. And I just am so excited. This is not the end. <laughs> I look forward oh, to you. working on some um, things with you together um, as we move forward with Emerge and all of that. So I'll definitely um, stay in touch. But thank you again for your time today. And I just want to thank you listeners for tuning in to the Emerge Woman Magazine podcast. Thank you to our community. And until next time, continue to rise, shine, and emerge, woman.